and welcome back to Series 4 of Kvikminderpod, an Icelandic cinema podcast. I'm Rob Watts, and on this podcast I discuss 21st century Icelandic film with my good friend Ellie Cawthorn. This week we head towards the Westfjords for a tale of a female farmer's attempts to take down a sinister farming cooperative. The County, or Heradith, from 2019 is Grima Haukanarsson's second feature film after Rams, the very first film we featured on the podcast. And as you'll hear, The County is reminiscent of that and other films we've already covered. In a good way. So let's get on with it. Hi Ellie. Hi Rob. How's it going? I'm good, thanks. Got a glass of sangria. We're in the back room. We're good to go. <laughs> a classical autumnal drink. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to tell you about how the wine that this sangria is made with. Oh, no. Because <laughs> you drink this... it now. Oh, it's too shit. late. I wasn't under the impression this was your home-brewed wine. It's not home-brewed, okay. but it may or may not be bag wine. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. I'm so well, sorry. Well, we'll see how this podcast goes now you've drunk a whole glass of it. <laughs> Um, what have you been up to? Anything exciting? No, basically preparing for winter. Winter is coming, so mm-hmm. I feel like it's a good time to sit down and watch an autumnal Icelandic film. Yeah. About a hard scrabble existence through the winter, because I think it'll be <laughs> something we can all relate to. Sure, in this yeah, birthing calves and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Well, I've recently finished Sisterhood, which is the Icelandic TV series that aired on Channel 4 as part of Walter mm-hmm. Presents as their first Icelandic drama, or at least in a good long time. And it stars Ilmur Christiansdottir, who's in Entrapped and Trapped with Olafur Dari. It's about these three friends who um, have grown up together. They were at school together and they're now in their kind of 30s, 40s with families and they've all got their own issues. When a body is found in a quarry, it's been there for a long time. And these three friends may well know what this body is, who it belongs to and what happened to her. And so it's kind of less about the investigation. The investigation is led by um, our lady from Woman at War. Oh, we love to see it. And um, so you, you have a kind of investigation plot, but it doesn't really revolve around that. It's more about how these friends react to the news and you know kind of try and deal with it because they obviously know something we get glimpses at what it might be but it's never 100 percent sort of told to us we see flashbacks and it's all moody and it's really interesting it's mm. it was not what i expected i did kind of accept expect a procedural okay uh but it's it's fascinating and it builds and it builds and it's it's really really good six episodes well i checked that out i've got i mean i've got a very busy tv schedule planned for autumn have you but, now <laughs> um i'm sure i can make space i did and i've got a list seven pages long <laughs> um but yes yeah, so i would recommend that to anybody who is interested in icelandic drama familiar faces that we've seen plenty of people pop up and yeah great you can double bill that with entrapped and coming up soon alibi channel have got another Icelandic TV series. Alibi. So it's the like crime the... series channel. Yeah, exactly. So it's found its home. I don't know much more about it. Baldvin Sater is involved, which mm. is always a good sign. 
Um, so I'll wait for that to air. I'll probably have aired by the time I actually get this edited and we put it out. But um, yeah, good time for Icelandic TV in the UK. We're moving into the Icelandic heyday, you know, winter, mm-hmm. cozy jumpers. All makes sense. Totally. Yeah. So why don't we talk about that film that you said is easing us into autumn? Yes. And this is The County mm-hmm. by Grimo Hakanarsson, who we haven't seen since episode one. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's been ages. Yeah. That's Nearly two like years. Harking back. And, you know, Grimmer has made a fairly grim film here. Oh, Oy. the puns are rolling. Yeah. Um, Why don't you tell us what it is then? Okay. So, we have our protagonist. Although, actually, it's not actually clear who's going to be the protagonist initially. Not to begin with. No, so we meet a couple. They're a farming couple. They've clearly got a pretty hard scrabble existence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're talking about day to day, nitty gritty stuff. But we do sense that in that marriage, there's a bit of love there. Mm-hmm. The little snugglers, the cuddlers, and <laughs> and we see them working on the farm, that kind of thing. The husband we see involved in some slightly shady dealings with the local co-op. Which maybe we'll explain in a little bit, but made me think of the UK supermarket co-op and it was all I could think of the whole (laughs) way through this movie. Slightly unhelpful. Unhelpful. Um, The farming co-operative. And so then he dies in a car crash. Yep. um, Leaving his wife, Inga, um, to essentially manage the farm, take on this huge behemoth that's basically draining them financially. Mm Um, and it transpires that he hasn't just died in the car crash. In fact, it was a suicide, perhaps because of these financial issues, perhaps because he's been embroiled with some issues with the co-op. So Inga, left with this huge task, essentially uncovers all of this and decides to go to war, I think it's fair to say, mm-hmm. with the co-op. Because she feels like they have exploited her husband, they've led to his death, and they're treating everyone like mugs, basically, all the farmers. Um, in the community so she thinks you know this system is corrupt i'm gonna fight it very good we can end the podcast there i reckon (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's exactly it um i mean obviously shades of so many films we've looked at already obviously how can arson's rams Mm -hmm. um erlingson's woman at war that was the main resonance for me that i had here Mm -hmm. but i guess it's totally it's tonally more like Rams, which makes yeah, sense. Yeah, but with less comedy, like quite a uh, lot yeah, less comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, there's like, we're in Iceland, so this is a film that's set in the countryside on a farm. So we've got Lamb, Shades of Lamb. I mean, the t- I mean, again, the tone of Lamb without the surrealism yeah. of the quite sombre, bleak existence of Icelandic farming. Yeah, you've got that couple just getting mm. on with their day-to-day business, but something is wrong basically yeah yeah and then even even if we want to draw one other parallel because i just can't resist white white day begins with a (gasps) you know a big vehicle going off the edge of a cliff white white day there is a there is a shot in this it was one shot that really got me actually i mean i think we also open with essentially the same thing as white white day which is you know a bleak rural landscape just let to tell its own story Mm mm-hmm very similar to White White Day, but the shot in this of tracking a road, yeah, 
a dark curving road from the perspective of somebody driving that that is exactly the <laughs> shot right in white white day pretty much yeah so i think it's fair comparison yeah well there we go um and the opening shot the, the first shot that gives us the title card is just a big wide shot of a farm in a valley and it's all snowy but it's just so stunning and one of the things i love about grimoire haukenarsen's films is the look i think mm. despite it being freezing cold and grim and just yeah pretty bleak all his films look all two of them that we've seen (laughs) they look stunning i just i can't get enough of his films visually i think they're just brilliant to look at and you know iceland sells itself on its nature a lot and there's a lot to be said for that on its own but you do need a story in a film but I'm pretty sure I could have watched this without the sound on. It feels like what you saying though that it reminds you of all these different films we've watched and this idea of the farm. Like, how many films about farmers have you seen from the UK? You know what? I've got that question written down on my ah! on my pad. Yeah? Actually, I've just thought of one: God's, God's Own Country. country. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that which is a fantastic. That's film. a great film. Yeah. Okay, so that's one. Yeah, I struggle. Um. When you think of the output, I'm sure maybe there are a few very, very niche independent films. I mean, God's Own Country itself is very indie, mm. uh, made on a tight, tiny, tiny budget. But when we're looking at the the output of an entire country's cinema and film sort of landscape, we've already covered so many. And I know it's integral, but so farming's integral in the UK as well. Yeah. Like, why are there no stories about it? But to that? me, farming in the UK maybe doesn't have the drama of farming in Iceland, which is maybe the wrong way of putting it. But for example, in the UK, you've got, I mean, even the landscapes are more like pastoral, the more like bucolic, Mm -hmm. maybe not in the north in Yorkshire or whatever. But in Iceland, I think because, you know, there's so few people and it's maybe it is much more integral to the economy of Iceland, Iceland and stuff, but it feels much more dramatic in terms of there's a lot of sense of this way of life being lost Uh whereas i feel like in the uk that way of life is lost so long ago that it's not a experience that a lot of people are familiar with sure i mean a lot of it will be to do with importing as well like Mm. this country decided to import stuff very long time ago even the stuff we can grow and Mm. our population is is a lot bigger than iceland um, so why wouldn't you rely on your farming infrastructure? Mm. And yeah, like it's ingrained. But there is a line in this film which harks back to Rams where they're talking about the youth not wanting to yeah. take on the farms uh, because it's just a load of hard work for no <laughs> pay, no reward necessarily. Although I do know that in real life there are young people who want to be farmers and want to get that way of life going again. There's a great Instagram called Farm Life Iceland or something. And it's fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's Sounds interesting. very cottage core, that. Cottage core. Lots of lambs, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's fascinating that we can watch six out of however many films we've looked at mm. and then think of, think of one. Because forget the landscape. In the UK, you can really, you could set a drama on a farm yeah. easily. I mean, The Darling Buds of May was a TV series. <laughs> it's a, it's a, They re, redid it recently as well. Like there's, mileage in it so i don't know why it's not a thing but 
I'm okay with that. I'll probably watch less farming films in, <laughs> in the UK anyway. Yeah, I have to say this podcast has introduced me to more farming media than I've come across in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even listen to The Archers. Yeah, well, there we go. Big shout out to uh, all our farmer listeners, <laughs> all our farming workers in Iceland <gasps> and anywhere. Um, but yeah, it is not quite as funny as Rams. It's really a film with a sort of, it has a message, perhaps mm-hmm. not as strong a message as Woman at War, but it's we've certainly got this female figure who has an idea of what she wants and how she's going to get it or how she's going to hope to get it. Um, so should we talk about Inga? Yeah. Are you going to put up Sprettur er öðruðsa, ábyrð, 40 skall tonni. Reynir, varstu búin að kynna þetta tilbúr? Við erum í kaufulegi. Já, en hann er miklu dýrari hjá þeim. Getum ekki látið það okra svona á okkur endalust ef við ætlum einhvern tíman að borga niður svo skuldir þá vengur við að... Ég nennum ekki að ræða þúna. Played by Andis Hrun Egilsdottir. So she's obviously married to Reynir, who dies at the beginning. Not initially sure how. But yeah, like you said, she takes on the farm and takes on the co-op. And really, the whole film is about how she reacts to what's happening and where she wants to take it. Because she doesn't... It's almost like she doesn't care so much about the farm <laughs> as her husband did. Like yeah. maybe he was... He was so devoted to it that she went along with it. But mm. when she was released from that kind of bind, she was like, actually, you know what? I've had enough of this. But that's almost a responsibility, though, as well, isn't it? If somebody, like, hugely loves something mm. and then they die, you feel like a responsibility to keep that up and, like, almost as their legacy or to yeah. represent them because they're not here to keep the farm up, so you need to do it for them. For sure. And I'm sure plenty of children feel guilty about that, you know, when they With decide houses, to go to yeah. the city and abandon their parents' farming. But, yeah, keeping your husband's legacy going is one thing, but living a torturous life for no real reward is another thing, isn't it? I guess there's kind of two strands of this film, right? And one is individual drama about a woman experiencing grief and processing that yeah. and going through the process of grief, which, again, is very familiar to, to White White Day. Um, and there's another strand, isn't there, which is a more politicised strand about this co-op issue, which mm-hmm. I think is quite alien to us um in the UK. I mean, obviously we have the supermarket co-op, Which, but it's it, not, a farming cooperative is not something that we're kind of really no. used to. I think the co-op did come out of yeah. a farming co-op mm-hmm. in the UK. But to modern Icelanders, I'm not sure that co-op farming is even that much of a thing nowadays anyway. Apparently there's only one farming co-op left in Iceland. Really? Yeah. Um, it's up, so the film was filmed up in the northwest of Iceland, I believe which is where its real-life counterpart, Skagafjörður, uh, they have a co-op there, farming co-op. And apparently it's a complete anomaly. There's no way that these kind of farming co-ops can exist for most of the reasons that Inga gives. You know, It's much better for farmers to sell their own product to whoever they want, 
to buy things on Amazon just to make things cheaper. This is surprising to me, though, because it's like it feels like this film has a real bee in its bonnet, as in like that it's about like we need to deal with this issue of co-ops that are are like destroying (laughs) people's lives. Or, for example, the film Anne Breathe Normally, which we watched a while ago, which is about immigration. And it felt like it was really trying to say something about contemporary Iceland and the issues that contemporary Iceland was dealing with. And this feels like a film that is similarly positioned. Mm -hmm. But it's that's strange to me then that it's taking aim at a thing that isn't really an issue. I guess so. Because, yeah, without the prior knowledge, yeah, perhaps you would think it was a... Well, I didn't have the prior knowledge, Rob. True. But does that matter? It does feel pointed. It it changes the tenor of the film, then, I think, isn't because it goes from being a film about issues, a politicised film about issues, to being more of a metaphorical or like a kind of emblematic woman against the man mm. the man in quote marks not as in woman against man yeah um situation which i think does change the way that you would receive a film or see it i suppose so yeah it take i guess it probably it takes a little bit of that dramatic weight away when you realize that actually this isn't <laughs> Just this a, isn't. but then you know, so many films are fictional based yeah. around fictional plots that you know if, if there wasn't even one co-op anymore would that make it better? Would that make it feel like, oh, well, it's all just fiction, so I'm okay with it? Yeah, I guess in that situation, maybe I would have set it in the 70s. Mm. When it, I'm presuming in the 70s, when that was an issue. Yeah, that makes sense. And as we know from The Deep, you can set a film in the past in Iceland without really having to, <laughs> to you know, do any you know, set design or <laughs> costume design. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. But that's what we have. And so you have Inga fighting against Eyjolfur, played by Arman from Rams. Yeah, Arman, who actually looks quite different um, here than he... I was like, is it him? I can't tell. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, he's not got his beard. Well, also, He looks more like he did in Under the Tree. Yeah, but I still was like, something looks different about him. Mm, maybe it was maybe the... I just haven't seen him for three series of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Samt ekki stinga mín. Takk, Eyjólfur. Á góðum aður. Ég vil að veitir að við því að kaufleginu við standum hægir. Getur alltaf leita til mín. Hver er að sjá um fjósið? Enginn. He is meant to be a bit more of a kind of, I mean, my, if you read my notes, I've just got the word twat, and, you know, <laughs> the C word and multiple variations on a theme because he's just a nasty man. Mm. But he's so kind of reserved about it. Yeah. Um, and it's that kind of simmering, just twatishness. Yeah, I think it's he plays it very well in terms of playing it so mellow and kind of, oh, I'm just, you know, one of you guys. I'm just an understated little guy. It turns out 
result. Well, yes, this is a thing that I'd like to talk about. For me, this film is about the ways that the co-op kind of undermine and just, I don't know, gaslight Inga, I suppose. They're so good (laughs) at just making her feel like she can't abandon the farm, A. B, she can't leave her partner's work behind, that she can't abandon the co-op, that everything she does is dependent on them. Mm. And if she was to leave, that her life would fall apart, whether that's because they make sure it happens or there's no way to exist without it. And I just found that, yeah, just found him and his little scallywag minion being just an idiot, um, pretty sinister. Yeah, there were definitely some sinister moments in this when the like unspecified jobs come to her house and essentially, you know, shout abuse at her and nothing ultimately happens. Like she gets her shotgun kind of prepared to take them on. Nothing ultimately happens, but it is genuinely threatening. Like if you were a woman on your own in the middle of nowhere with like men coming to your house at night, like threatening you. It's very terrifying. And I guess the point is, it's all about plausible deniability. So the co-op could say, oh, they're not connected to us. We don't even know these. We don't know these guys. We didn't tell them to do that. And it's that, I think what's interesting is that two faces that the there's the public face of, we're just here for the, for the good of the community. We're mm-hmm. here for everybody. We are the friendly face of the co-op. And then the dark side that we see underneath. Sure. And so much of that dark side is played with the smiley face as well. Mm. Um, I mean, for instance, Eyolfo, who I should mention is played by Sigurdur Sigurjonsson. Uh, there are times where he's like, I think he goes for dinner with Inga and he's just like, oh, you know, without us, you'd go bankrupt. But if you choose to leave, you'll we'll make you go bankrupt. I'm just mm. like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's nice of you, Eyolfa. Lovely to see you. And there's that moment where someone starts post post Rainier's death. Inga wakes up to someone spreading fertilizer on the field in a gorgeous shot. I've never seen such a pretty shot of someone spreading shit on a field. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's this idea of oh, we're here to help. You know, whatever you need, we're here to help. We'll help you on the farm. You take all the time. And those are like Eyolfa's words. And then she wakes up to this guy spreading the fertilizer. And it's not the fertilizer she wanted to buy that was cheap. It's the co-op fertilizer, which mm. is more expensive. And it's like, we're helping you. But you, but but really what we're doing is making sure you use our fertilizer. Mm. That kind of thing. It's all just really like insidious and creepy. I knew you were going to use the word insidious. <laughs> but don't you think there is something slightly... I think what's good is that they're they're kind of given their airtime to argue their side of things. And also, usually in these scenarios, so say like think of any kind of British drama, it's about like the community banding together mm-hmm. and the co-op's arguments are like we're stronger for the community. Um all these evil capitalist pig dogs coming in from Reykjavik and buying us out and we're basically fighting against the capitalist overlords, which feels like it should be what we want, right? Or compelling or it feels like it sh- it's the underdogs fighting up. But then really when you break down into it, it's the corruption of a system that should be... Yeah. It's it, like... 
you know it's almost like inga says all of this at the very end in her speech Mm. you know classic communism great idea work in progress never quite well no it it might work for a time but then you know someone ultimately wants the power and in this case yeah aeolfa takes a co-op in that direction even to the point that they so rainier dies and there's no reason to close their co-op account they know that inga's on the farm and she's got to work but they close it and it's not explicitly said but they must have closed it as a threat as a threat yeah so she has to come in and say oh i need you to open my account i need you to help me out here because what else am i going to do in that moment it's like forcing her to rely on them when you know ultimately if she's given time she might not need it or she might be able to break away from it but so soon after the funeral to just be like to make her do that is just mm. asshole behavior <laughs> i really hate aeolfa yeah you really like a lot more than me i was like oh i guess he could see that initially this was a great endeavor and maybe he just lost his way a bit but you're like really anti him i mean he's just sat there drinking his little cup of tea Sending his little lackey off in his Land Rover. But you know what? They could have hammed it up more. So, like, he's obviously... He's working on his own farm with his horses or whatever. He's Mm. just wearing a jumper, isn't he? Like, he's not... (laughs) You know, maybe, again... I know we've spoken a lot on this podcast about if this was a Hollywood film, then we might have seen him driving his BMW or, you know, like... Sure, or in his mansion. Yeah, in his mansion, Mm. telling his maid that it's not clean enough, that kind of thing. Whereas here, it's probably a more realistic portrayal. I think you're right. But more nuanced, it's more nuanced. And it's interesting that you talk about Hollywood because the one kind of thing this film does is make the lackey seem sinister. By giving him a totally blacked out Land Rover. And a suit. And a suit. Which is so nothing. This is the only thing that doesn't ring 100% true. It's like either dial down into that or rein it back. Because he could Mm. just be another farmer who does the threats. Maybe he's a jobsworth though. He just likes to wear a suit to lord it over the farmers. He's not very scary though, is he? No, he's not. I found this. So this is Hannes Ole Agostsson who... Most people will know as being the play Ya Ya Ding Dong Man <laughs> from Eurovision. Um, but we have seen in Metalhead mm-hmm. playing Knuter. But he's also in the most recent series of Entrapped playing a character called Baby Lars. And he's meant to be kind of the guy who enforces like mm. certain, makes the people who might want to act out stay in line. And he's, I don't think, like he's big, but he's not think particularly he's threatening, threatening, is he? No. I don't, I don't find her very threatening. Which is a shame because Inga's so good at standing up to him mm. that I would have liked those those moments where they meet would have been even more dramatic if he'd been slightly more threatening, not just with his words. Mm. Well, maybe we should talk about the moments where she stands up to the co-op. Sure. Because obviously, just a callback that you made earlier to Woman at War. Woman at War, I feel like we get some really like cathartic fighting back against the destroyers of the environment the man let's just call them the man sure. whereas in this we, we get okay I, i'd say we get like one really cathartic moment of that or maybe two but it doesn't quite have the same heft or punch or kind of you're not going yeah take that 
You Evil co-op. Yeah. And the moment, let's talk about the moment Please that I do. referred to there, which in my mind is her spraying oh. the co-op building, the supermarket, co-op supermarket with milk. What a brilliant scene. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> but all I could think was, oh God, that's going to smell bad tomorrow. It's going to stink. And you know, they've sprayed a real building here with milk. But couldn't you just wash it off? I assume they just did a similar thing with water and fairy yeah. liquid or something afterwards. But like that's that is the kind of central protest, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Uh, because this is the one thing she but does. But I also value. thought you're like going bankrupt. That's a lot of milk to waste. Yep, this is true. Again, just it was her sh- saying, "Look, I dirty protest." Dirty. Well, I was <laughs> concerned there was going to be shit in there as well. <laughs> Like, she's done a thorough clean of that uh, tank yeah. for there to be no fertiliser in there with the milk. Why would there be fertiliser? Is not it not the same tank as the from? start? She fills the tank up with milk. Oh, but it's I... the same, it looks like the same tank that was in the field Oh, no, I just shit. assumed she, you know, plugs in the udder milkers and it goes directly to that tank. If it's a different tank, then fine. But I thought you it was the same You don't use your tank. shit tank for your milk tank, do you? Well, no, but the milkman comes to collect the milk and normally. And so she doesn't usually have a milk tank. That's all I'm thinking. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, fine. there didn't seem to be any shit in the milk. So. <laughs> God. <laughs> but yes, I think she's got to the point at this moment in the film where she's like, I want you to understand that I do care about breaking free of the co-op to the extent that I'm willing to risk wasting a mm. lot of money here. As a form of protest, as a visual form of protest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not surprised she gets arrested, though she does seem to wonder why. Do you think if you just like got, say, four litres of milk or four pints of milk, like just two big milk things, and you yeah. sprayed them all over somebody's house, you could get arrested? Probably not. It's not going to go very far, is it? No. If I he... feel like property damage is a bit... Come on, guys. It's only milk. Yeah. I guess only if it hits soft furnishings is it going to be damaged. Yeah, and it's just brick and, you know, plastics and stuff. Like, yeah, whatever. It's milk. I don't think it's going to do too much damage. <laughs> As a visual, it works mm. perfectly. And I loved that shot where they're having their little meeting inside. And they turn around <laughs> and like, what is that? And just staring out into the... The milk. Like the milk waterfall just across the window. <laughs> I guess I guess it does chime with like how things transpire later in the movie that it's kind of a bit of a, like a kamikaze move. So it's like yeah. cutting your nose off to spite your face. It's like, I'm going to lose loads of money by doing this, by throwing all my litres of milk away. But I don't care. Well, this is, and this is the thing, that whole second half is kind of, as you said, two, you said there's two strands to the film, but there's two things that play in Inga's mind. She can either stick to the rules, have a terrible time on the farm, never making any money, having to pay off her debts really, really slowly, potentially having to take more help from the co-op, or she can fight back against it for others in Rainier's name, but lose her livelihood, which I think she kind of wants anyway. Do you think she knew that, though, going into this, like, rebel... Al- so she I, essentially yeah. forms a rebel alliance of dairy farms. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
when you think that all this is about dairy farming, it's kind of funny. But um, it is like uh, the Skywalkers versus Darth Vader, right? Oh, see, I didn't really read it that way. I thought she was fighting for a, her own economic stability or whatever, and everybody else's. But you saw it as she always knew if she takes them on, she's going down, but she's going to do it anyway. I think so. And I it felt from the start like she would be happy to leave the situation. So it kind of worked in her favour anyway. Maybe she would have done things differently if she wanted to remain a farmer. But there's a point where she's like, yep, if I do this, and it's probably the milk point, if I actually (laughs) actively go out and do this, then yes, I'm going to help other farmers who are in need, who are Mm. definitely not saying anything, but will need to get away from the co-op and do something, set up something that will help. But... I'm going to lose everything because the co-op, because we owe the co-op so much money kind of thing. And actually, if that's taken off you, she hasn't had to wind things down. She hasn't had to be like, oh, sell off the cows, sell off the farm. All she has to do. Glory. Yeah. Like kamikaze is almost the exact right word here. Mm -hmm. She's just gone, right? Well, my easiest way out is to just blow everything up and drive off into the sunset chuck milk and everything and leave yeah But also, let's not forget, she does actually help establish a dairy farmer's co-op with the help of Frithgeir. Yeah. Who is one of those farmers who is just silent for ages. <laughs> like, come on, guy, you're a recognisable face. You're bound to be involved in this film somehow. Did you ever fear, right, during yeah. this, that there was going to be some kind of romance scenario between those two? No. Okay, I, okay, maybe this like, is Please explain. Well, just, I thought there were like moments of like, lingering looks or like the one woman who saved us all and I was like please don't make this a romance and please don't do that because it's going to be like inappropriate and dilute the message of the film for sure and of course because it's an Icelandic film they didn't do that and they stayed on the right side but that's what I really liked it's like Frithgeir and his wife Colbrun they support her it takes ages for him to actually act out but he does and then in fact it's him and the lads who watch the footage (laughs) in the in the barn that come up with the idea of this dairy farmers co-op and they need her mm. because she's kind of the face of this protest thanks to facebook i've never seen a film revolve so much around a facebook <laughs> I post know, which i love <laughs> but, but I, it, apparently facebook is that big in, in iceland i think your point though about the lads is a good one because i think we have to say there is a gender element here, right? Mm-hmm. That she is the wife that's inherited almost the farm from the man who was meant to run it. From his family from as well. From his family. Most of the farmers here are men. I think it's significant and it 
and it needs to be referenced that she is a woman in this situation because sure. I think it's definitely it might not be explicitly um, relevant, but it's definitely implicitly relevant in the way that she's kind of treated by the co-op. She's dismissed by them. She's called like an old bitch, an old whore, and all this. And I think that is important in this struggle. Yeah, and it's certainly important down to the plot point of having the account closed. It's like, mm. oh no, sorry, we closed the account because it was in Rainier's name. And he's the man of the, yeah. not the man of the house, the man, man of, of the, the farm. farm. <laughs> yeah, so I think, yeah, I think you're 100% right there. But yeah, I suppose we should talk about that co-op idea then. So she's done her protest and then finally Frith Gare decides to speak up. And this is where, for me, the film... I like, I really like the whole process of them kind of canvassing and mm. meeting all the other farmers because it feels really naturalistic. They probably are real farmers and it just felt like the film had slowed down a little bit. Let's just get to know these people who we're apparently supporting. But also it kind of just happens. Mm. You know, you've got all this protest, you've got the drama, the drama, the drama. And then it's like, we've got this idea. Should we go for it? Okay, let's give it a go. Oh, it worked. Yeah. And, and I was like, I don't know what I wanted, but it felt like it all happened very easily. Yeah, and that he and the enemy kind of speaks out and then people are like, oh, nah, don't worry about it. Oh, yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, Eolfa comes in and he's like he's storming. Quite compelling, to it wasn't it? He was. He was more compelling than Inga. Mm. I thought Inga's speech was just nowhere near as rousing as I wanted it to be. But yeah, then Ayolfa comes not allowed to speak, of course, Ayolfa. But he does. I didn't understand, but fine. I think because he's in charge, he's or he's not a member of whatever I think is I've no idea, to be honest. I don't know why I'm trying to explain. <laughs> I love it. how you're trying to find a I'm reason. Trying but to you find don't a reason. Know. They say he's not a member, but if this is the co op, how is But the it wasn't the co op, um, it was the farmers association. Oh, there we are. Key, I don't know why he's not. I don't, I don't know why he's not in the. Maybe he's not a farmer then. Maybe he's just. Yeah. Maybe he just owns horses. He's the head of co-op. He's the head of the co-op, and because he gets paid so much, he can own a shit ton of lovely horses, and doesn't have to do anything else. That might be it. Hmm. They are nice horses. <laughs> but yeah, his speech is qu- is quite compelling, like you yeah. say. Uh, but this is again relates back to what I was saying about the whole undermining undermining Inga and kind of just sort of making all her arguments seem tiny. It's like, yeah, but without a short, you'll go bankrupt. You just will. Like, but does, no one has any faith in anyone. Is that what you're trying to get to? I don't know. How did you feel about him? Um, I thought, moment? well, I thought I, I respected the fact that he wasn't just given some kind of absolute baddies. You know, when baddies do a speech and they're like, oh, yes, but actually... And they say, like, you know, all the weak must die for the strong to live. And you're like, oh, well, obviously that's bad. And we disagree with the baddies. Yeah. But here I feel like they gave it, they like allowed him to have a bit of a compelling argument that you did have to have a bit of background knowledge from watching the film that they'd been exploitative and corrupt in order to think, oh, no, that actually is not the reality. Yes, we're in a better position than the other farmers, especially those old dairy farmers. <laughs> yeah. You have no idea. Wheel out the old on. farmers. What, it's in. a good move. It's a very clever move. But um, but but they, it sounds seems like they care more than he thought mm. about the current crop of dairy farmers, mm. because it, she 
She Classic. Gets... When you don't want progressive voting, wheel out all the old. Yeah, which ones. we're seeing quite a lot of in this country, aren't we? I <gasps> no comment. But <laughs> um, for me, um, I guess the significant part here is that we get this almost moment of victory for the end, mm-hmm. which is then very quickly snatched away. Yes. Well, it, yeah, I guess it depends. Because I watched, again, I watched this film twice a second viewing for the for the podcast it depends what your thought process is in the moment because when you know that there's two there's two results basically when you know that she's she gets served papers mm. basically and she has to abandon the farm etc when you know that's coming this bit feels like a real victory still i mean the first time it feels amazing i welled up the first time it's a bit cheesy but I think it's really well done the way you can the camera just yeah. focuses on Inga as everything's being voted for and the and the result announced. And that's so we great. so that means we also don't know which way it's going to go. Yeah. Which way did you think it was going to go? Mm, probably the way it went. But yeah. I actually don't I could have 50-50, you know. Yeah. They're never going to did I, well I was like, "Oh, this is a surprisingly victorious end." Yeah. For Iceland. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, okay. But no. I mean, it's kind of bittersweet, yeah. which is a, a classic kind of Icelandic trope that we've seen a few times, the bittersweet ending. Because, yeah, the co-op like... There's almost beach. three elements. We've talked about two strands, but there's almost three elements to the ending. One, victory against the co-op. Yeah, <laughs> the farm, the new farmers co-op, which also I'm like, it's a bit of a. Is it a co-op out to have Way. another co-op replace a co-op? But it does feel like a bit of a murky, a murky victory to be like, we replaced a co-op with something that's named the same but is less evil. Yeah. So anyway, that's... Well, we've just have to live in hope that another Aeolfer doesn't come in and exactly. Yeah. That's, okay, one straight-up victory where, like, the British movie in the vein of pride would end, you sure. know? yeah. Oh, that Great. film is incredible. So good. But wouldn't that end there? And we'd be like, yay, the co-op is defeated. Then we've got flip side. So so we've got victory, then we've got flip to disaster, which is being served eviction notices and bankruptcy. The first time I watched that, I did not know that was coming. I should have no. thought about it. But then we've got like a reverse flip, a double flip, which is the final the final shot, I guess, the final scene where she's driving away from the farm. And clearly for her, this is a moment of freedom. It's like a euphoric moment. Mm-hmm. The fact that she's been served bankruptcy, she's like, yes, now I am free. Don't need to worry about the farm. Great. I'm out of here. I set up the new co-op. I've done what I need to do. So we're like, we're, we're happy, we're sad. Oh, no, we are happy. As yeah. you say, a very a lasagna of bittersweetness. Because um, we don't know what she's going to do next, but we do know she gets to go and see her kids who've gone off to Reykjavik. Um, niche right. actor reference time, everybody. One of her kids, Alsa, is played by Alfred Rose, who is also in Eurovision, the Ooh. film. Yeah, she plays one of the uh, panel who decide... Whether or not Fire oh Saga gets to... you know, we're getting down to the who's on the panel. That's in a Hollywood film, though. Okay, fine. You know, 
But yes, another another familiar face anyway. But that shot, it is so... I, I almost was... It was almost unexpected that they then went happy again at the end. Mm. Yeah, because most of these films just sort of end on a dour note. I mean, <laughs> maybe Hakanarsen decided, you know, Rams ended pretty downbeat. <laughs> <laughs> so, so maybe we should uh, we've have had, a bit more positivity. We've had a freezing to death. Let's give the people a bit of joy. Yeah, a bit of sun. And what I loved, that song she's listening to in the car mm. is by a band called Stjernin, which, I mean, it just sounds super upbeat and fun. But I loved how like on the nose like you don't often get the lyrics come on screen to a film in the background i do was you? gonna say this to you i was gonna say this to you that at the start or earlier on in the film we have a song playing or at least the version that i watched and i don't think the song is um no is subtitled and that's also and, by sternin when she's when she puts the record on yeah, yeah and then at the end it's like these lyrics are relevant and, you know... <laughs> you should probably know what they're saying here. Yeah, it's saying, it's like... I am free now, I've left the farm. It's not saying that exactly, <laughs> but it's basically Yeah, saying well, the that. song itself is called I Live in Hope, Yelifi Vonini. Like, that sounded quite Italian, didn't it? But Yelifi Vonini. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you weren't feeling hopeful. Now you will. Now you know you can because Inger is feeling hopeful. Which did feel like a bit of a strangely obvious note. But fine. But I'm okay with that. We've seen so many downbeat endings that actually a bit of, bit of um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Just happiness. Mm. So, we've seen so little happiness that I can't even remember the word for it. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, it's it's a nice note to end on. I thought that shot was kind of weirdly edited. The, they st- they stop singing and then mm. it's all a bit it odd. It was weirdly edited, I thought that too, and I don't even know anything about <laughs> editing. <laughs> but anyway, we see her drive into the distance and it's, you know, it's nice, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, that's the county. Should say it was from 2019. Yeah. So fairly recent. Well, you know, Inga's farm would have collapsed under COVID anyway. So glad that she just got she, yeah. she got declared bankrupt and got out of there. Yeah, would the co-op <laughs> have been going after 2019? That's such know. a good point. Yeah, maybe. I, I wonder whether Grimo Hakanasim could speak to that. Like, would he have made this film post COVID? Don't know. Because Probably like be you say, very different. Yeah, it already for you felt like oh, it's not a thing, but like. Yeah, Inga wouldn't even have had the farm by that point. She got out at the exact right moment. Good on you, Inga. Bye.
So yeah, that's The County from 2019 by Grimo Haukanarsson. Uh, one thing I didn't talk about was the music, which is very different to Rams. So here we've got like, um, it's kind of like a almost electronic yeah. score that only comes in every now and then. Sometimes we have like drums and drumsticks to emphasize the drama of Inga. But at one point, there's a there's a moment where the mechanical machinery mm. is like trying to find an I other. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to mention this. And it was going. Dunk, 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 dunk. I was like, are they about to play Black Skinhead by Kanye? <laughs> Genuinely, I was like, oh, my God, that's a choice. Turns out it was just the machinery. That's disappointing. It was disappointing. The way you sound, sang it like that then. To me, sound like Footloose. Did you think they were going to play Footloose? No, I just from when you were singing it then. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But they didn't do that. Oh, and while I'm on the subject of farming machinery, and this is a strange point to end the podcast, I know, but did you spot that little robotic barn cleaner? Yeah. What the fuck? What the do you mean? Inner, the most, <laughs> it's the most ineffective piece of equipment I've ever seen. Well... You know, those things are always ineffective because do you know my sister had... An, a Roomba? Uh, yeah. Have no. I told you this? No. My sister had a Roomba and she has some two dogs. Oh, yeah. One of the dogs was quite ill one day. Oh, no. Accid- had a little accident in the house and the Roomba then spread, let's oh, call it the accident, no. over the whole house. So I don't see how that bit of um, the essential of the farm Roomba did anything other than spread, spread shit everywhere. Yeah. Oh, well. Nice image to end the podcast on, <laughs> that, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but next week, it's not going to get any better, actually, because we're doing a little Halloween special again. Uh, this time, we're going to look at two films. One called Thirst. Ooh. Be prepared for gore. Okay. like, like Comic gore. But comic gore. gore. Okay, I'm fine with comic gore. And we're also going to be looking at a film called It Hatched, which is yet to be released, but will be available at some point in the future. But I thought, you know, Halloween's coming up. We might as well um, cover the two horror films that have been made in Iceland. <laughs> Can so, you uh, give me a clue of what hatched? What hatched? I really can't, you know. It's quite a uh, indecipherable film. Okay. So, yeah, hope you're looking forward to that. I am. Okay, well, I'll see you here next week then. See you for the spooky special.
What a beautiful piece of music that is. Valger Sigurdsson is a man of many musical talents. What do you reckon then? Did Inga do the right thing fighting the co-op? Was a replacement co-op the best alternative? And just how evil do you think Eyjolfa was? Let us know your answers and any other thoughts or tidbits about the film you fancy sharing over on social media, where we're at Kvikmindapod, that's K-V-I-K-M-Y-N-D-A-P-O-D, and you can subscribe or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. If you could leave us a rating and or review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, that'd be amazing, and we also have a Ko-fi page where you can support us if you like what you hear. As I mentioned, ready for Halloween weekend, next week it's B-Movie Horror Time. Vampires and strange demons await, in thirst and it hatched. Stainy Jr. and Goika Ulfason's blood-soaked thirst can be rented on YouTube or Google Play, as well as Apple TV, where it's just 99p. While it hatched is so new, it's not available in the UK just yet, but hopefully our chat will be entertainment enough for now and inspire you to chase down director Elva Gunnarsson for a release date. Both films are tinged with more than just a little comedy, so don't worry if you're not a hardcore horror fan. Oh, and that TV show that I so cryptically teased earlier is called Black Sands, or Svertu Sandar, and it's coming to the UK in November on Alibi. It's a TV channel. Alright then, we'll see you next week. Tack bless. Thanks and goodbye. <laughs>